hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to, uh, what was this called again? Far From Home, a podcast about two Asian Canadians who moved pretty far from home. Never gets old. Never gets old. So, <laughs> today's topic, uh, it's pronounced ikigai. Ooh, yeah. what's that mean? Wait, no, that's not what I'm supposed to talk about. Okay, the reason <laughs> okay. I'm talking about this is because, um... I went back to the office recently and then okay. there was a bookshelf and I don't know, they weren't just like a bunch of engineering bookshelf like books. So yeah. there's some interesting ones. This Ikigai book kind of caught my eye. So I was like, sure, I don't know what that means. I'll read the front cover. And okay. yeah, I, I, I was curious about the contents. Do you want to tell us what Ikigai is, Jason? Oh, gladly. So Ikigai literally means like your reason for being, your reason for living. And according to Wikipedia, it's a Japanese concept that refers to having a direction or a sense of purpose in life, which ultimately provides you with fulfillment and towards which you take action. And it gives you a sense of satisfaction and ultimately a sense of meaning in your life. Wow. Wow. That's really deep. <laughs> Strong words. <sighs> wow. So you stole the book first. Yeah, I stole and the then... book. I took it home. Okay. I spent like three weeks to read thirty-three <laughs> percent of the book, which is I don't know, like I don't know, forty pages. I'm not even done the book yet. What? So wait, no, no, no. It's it's a lot more than that. It's like two hundred pages total. It's not a big book. Well, you've only read a third in three weeks. It's two hundred pages. I know. Yeah, it's I've I've been busy. This is like a one week book. My my Iki guy's been keeping me busy. Oh, your Iki guy is not reading books. Yeah, it's clearly not reading clearly. the Iki guy book. <laughs> So have you learned anything from the book so far from the first third? I don't know if learning is the right word, but I've definitely like Any confirmed, confirmed things I wasn't sure about in my life. Oh. Right? I mean, um, so so Ikigai, one of the first pages of the book shows this very off the top, like very like over the top Venn diagram. And it has okay. four separate circles. And okay. each circle represents something. And um, the center, like everything that overlaps it, is supposed to be your ikigai, right? So yeah. the four circles is what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. And I mean, all the, it, it really makes sense. It's just I never thought about it prior to reading this book and it makes sense that all parts of the all like all four circles need to be um incorporated into your life to give to really yeah. give you meaning yeah. yeah so essentially you need all four of these things to be living out a fulfilled life like if you do what you love but you don't make money off of it you're just a passionate hobo <laughs> if oh my gosh you, you just <laughs> roasted half really, the world <laughs> <laughs> if you're really good at something but the world doesn't need it. You're just useless. Um, if you can be paid for something, but you don't love it, you become, I don't know, full of self-hate. Yeah. Yes, you're a slave to your work. So you should ideally aim for something that overlaps between all four of these. Though, reading more online about Ikigai, the, 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 the guy that kind of evangelized Ikigai into like the Western world has talked about okay. how it's not... It's not strictly required that all four like 
things are incorporated into your life. It's just that those are usually the four circles that mean the most to you. Mm. Yeah. I, I suppose, like, ultimately, you can just sort of distill this down into a reason to get up every morning, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need all four of these things if your personal circumstances don't require it. Um, but just something to carry you through life because, well, life is pretty long and it yeah. can get rough sometimes. So you're going to need something that's sort of like a higher purpose to guide you through those tough times. So Jason, have you ever felt like <clears throat> you felt like you you were lost in that you don't know your sense of meaning? Have you ever felt that? Felt that? Mm-hmm. A sense of like I've lost a sense of meaning in my life. Not no, not really. Um, mm. Well, like personally, answering this at like a very high level, I've I've always just like loved to learn. To be honest, Loser. and <laughs> that's what that's what he said. That's what that's cool. what everyone said growing up. <laughs> that's what they all now look me. at me now, bitches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, and like throughout, you know, I'm only. 26 years young and Mm -hmm. most of those lives have been most of those years (laughs) have been in school (laughs) you killed the people that called you a loser (laughs) (laughs) and so school obviously provides a sense of meaning and purpose it's you know has very clear um direction and objectives things to aim towards at school grades and so that was never an issue for me because i enjoyed school um i worked for a little bit and i think maybe around the time i worked my first job i did sort of lose that sense of meeting per se because i didn't feel challenged oh i didn't feel like i was learning much after a little while Mm. um and so yeah i like put every every ounce of my effort into quitting and finding out something better to do and decided to move here and that has really sparked off another non-stop learning adventure a journey so the first thing you said to your manager at that company is, you're ruining my ikigai. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm leaving for Japan. <laughs> hmm. And yourself? I, so I think something that's very different from my point of view is that, hmm, is that to me, what, I cha- what, I've, what I've been chasing for the longest time hasn't really been my ikigai. Oh yeah, you can you can you can say it like that because to me it didn't it didn't really matter what I did as long as um, I achieved something. What's that something? Um, being worthwhile, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And so okay. <clears throat> and so growing up, I didn't. I don't know. At first, I didn't really have a passion for like software engineering or anything like that. I was kind of just looking around, seeing what other people did kind of okay with going with whatever comes um but then at a certain point it just kind of changed into like i need to be successful in life like i'm not going to be happy unless i'm successful and i can afford all these things and like be self-sufficient right shout out to the to the passions episode um but then i don't know reading the book more recently in the past years it's I've thought more about like what my future life looks like. And so, and to sum it up, yeah, I, I've never not had a sense of meaning or haven't, even, even if I didn't have a sense of meaning, it, it didn't matter that much to me. Oh. Like in the long run. Yeah. 
Are we lucky? Wow. I'm also gonna call out this ikigai thing. This is my Ooh. ikigai hot take. Wow. That I I think this thing is half sort of bullshit, and that it's this like made up philosophy about some mythical superior Japanese culture aspect thing. Just like um, that woman Marie Kondo and her whole cleaning method from Japan sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. I think I think a lot of people who might come across this ikigai aspect see that oh it's something from Japan and oh people must practice this in their day to day lives and so everyone in Japan must live these fulfilled lives full of meaning and purpose and get up every day um, like excited for their days and I think like <laughs> people in Japan are the exact opposite of that <laughs> is be, that what you're trying like, to say let's be real yes like I think people in Japan are as miserable as they are anywhere in the world and there's nothing special about the way people live their lives here hmm. compared to anywhere else that yeah is related to fulfillment and similarly for like Marie Kondo's um, cleaning method like I'm think japanese people hoard as much garbage as any other place in the world so i don't really think that this actually plays itself out in day-to-day life in japan i think it's just something that i don't know kind of blew up authors like to like fetishize that it's this foreign thing that like so it's new to you because it's not part of your culture and so it's something that you can learn from but the reality is is that when you actually come here and live here it's it's uh, people are, it's tragic people are people people are people yeah. <laughs> they're walking they're, shells it's rough times here they're walking shells of themselves you know what's new it's just like any uh, other country pretty much pretty much but something so with the book okay the parts of the book i have read in the beginning so <laughs> okay it references stuff like um some of the oldest so, some of the concentrated areas that have the oldest living people or have the most okay. people um, over a hundred years old, which are called cent- centenarians. Cent- yeah, yeah, centenarians. Yeah, they're mostly in Japan and this one random coastal city in Italy, like yeah. tiny yeah. rural village. Yeah, and I don't think that's um, it's not coincidence, right? I mean, neither of those countries have particularly high population in, in comparison to like i don't know china india that kind of thing so it oh, makes sense okay. that maybe there is something unique that they're doing to make them live really long and supposedly um meaningful and satisfied lives because apparently mm-hmm. if you're okay now i'm just like spewing stuff not from the book but i feel like okay. if you're i don't know when, once once you're older and you you find that you don't have a passion where you have nothing to live for, really. Yeah. It kind of just affects everything around you, right? Like, you won't take as... Yeah, you go downhill yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, like, you take less care of yourself, you know, you, you just yeah. let yourself slip. Yep, yeah, for sure. And so, I don't think it's completely um, bullshit. Yeah, but whether or not these people are, like, actively practicing ikigai as the reason for their, why they live long, I don't know. Like, ultimately, we know why people live long, because they, you know, like exercise moderately they eat moderately healthy and Mm. they have strong social community social circles yeah yeah Um, and i think these places where people live really long like in okinawa in japan yep yep or like traditionally um you know like people walk everywhere they eat healthily and they have strong communities ultimately 
Do you think yeah. you have all those things? Um, I like to say I do, but I mean, at the same time, I think it's very easy to when you're young at the same time, because again, we're, we go to work and we're like, we're forced to socialize with people mm. there and be part of a community at work. Um, being young, it's very easy, at least, well, maybe not necessarily because there are people who don't, but I think it's relatively easy to be exercising and eating healthily. Maybe it has nothing to do with age, actually. People <laughs> don't do that at all ages. <laughs> um but it's easy to have purpose and i think like like you were saying i've seen it actually in some older people too where the moment that they stop having some sense of purpose like let's say they have a dog and unfortunately like the dog passes away Mm -hmm. um like it has it has like a really negative impact on the person too because now especially if you're old and let's say like your kids have moved out into a new city and you're just all alone and your purpose was almost in a sense that dog mm-hmm. it's just sad to say and when you lose it you lose your purpose and you stop like you said taking care of yourself and things slide downhill why did you say dog i i'm curious because you can just say like their husband or wife right because that's that's, yeah, that's ultimately that what you yeah. mean okay yeah. okay okay i'm trying to i'm trying to be yeah general here i don't think Anyone we can have dog. 80 year olds in <laughs> the audience um no no seniors listening to this are, podcast I'm very sorry <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no i mean I, i'm pretty sure it's like a published statistic right like when an elderly person's um partner passes partner. away it's yep. it's almost like their lifespan is it's shortened it's like shortened by an extreme amount from that point yep. onwards yep yeah yeah so you i don't let your partner die the queen your time's coming soon oh my gosh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god uh, mm. okay so because we didn't really know what to talk about i was just searching up like random ikigai articles and one of the prompts in this on article i was reading was like have you ever thought if I earn this much money, I'll be happier? Or if I owned that thing, I'll be happier? Yeah, of course. Who hasn't? So so I think it's very normal to feel that way, right? But has yeah. despite feeling that way, do you think you're beyond that hill yet? Cause I I I don't know. I, I think a couple of years ago I felt very strongly about mm-hmm. that and not about a more defined purpose in life. You felt very strongly that you just wanted more money and more things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And now? Now I'm the same. <laughs> what can I say? I still want the thing. <laughs> no, I think I think I care. I mean, we say this even though we're like kind of um um climbing the corporate ladder and going on with our career, but I think I think I'm putting more conscious decision making into my relationship with my girlfriend and that's i don't know that's kind of made me become more of an adult yeah you but do you still care about money and things i mean i I do still care about money and things very much (laughs) so (laughs) yeah okay um i mean i think obviously like our society is built around making people want money and things right that's just like what consumerism and capitalist society is built upon so me and i think everyone listening to this can vouch to say that they've always they've had a point in their lives where they wanted more money or they wanted more things um Mm. 
I think it's sort of dangerous in a sense, though, obviously, to be constantly thinking that. There's a term for it. I think it's called the hedonic treadmill. I don't know what hedonic even means, Ooh. but but you know, like a treadmill, you're running and it never ends because it's the floor that's moving. You're not getting anywhere. Oh, okay, yeah. And so it was a video by a guy, and I can't remember his name. I think it was Justin Khan who made Twitch.tv, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he sold it to Amazon for a billion dollars. Yep. And what he found after selling the company was that he was miserable because he looked at his friends who made bigger companies like Airbnb, which were now tens of billions of dollars. And he thought, why couldn't that be me? Why did I sell out? And so he's sitting on a billion dollars, but he doesn't find himself any happier as a result because he's always comparing himself. This Um, was in the video itself or... Yeah, yeah, he's very open and with saying these things. So, like, I've, I mean, I've thought of it too. Not that I'm selling companies for like a billion dollars, but like (laughs) as we get older, (laughs) yeah, not yet. Um, and you know, like getting to the point where you can start buying more expensive things, and like, you know, if once you work a few years in a decent paying job and save up most of it, most things that you see around you. Besides real estate, you can just <laughs> buy, right? Big asterisk on the, except for real estate. <laughs> except real estate, yeah. Like, that, that takes a bit more money. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, you know, you walk down the street and you see some car, Mercedes, BMW. It's like, if I wanted that, I could just buy that, right? Yeah. Like, you can easily think that to yourself, but I'm trying to get to the point of my life where I'm comfortable enough to just say that like what I have now I am happy with and I don't need more and obviously that Mm -hmm. can be hard to do when you you see your bank account increasing in size Mm -mm. oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) but if you don't if you don't ever come to a place of acceptance of what you have and being happy and of course it doesn't mean living a life of poverty and completely restricting yourself Mm -hmm. One day, you know, if you don't actively put effort into this, you'll buy the BMW, you'll have it, and then you'll just drive next to like a Lamborghini or a Bentley and be like, oh, I want that now. Mm, mm. And it never ends. So it's it's an constant effort to try to practice gratefulness and just be happy with what i have so jason since you're so grateful of what you have you know all your okay all your salary bumps and um all your raises i could i could buy some stuff with that you know um if you don't <laughs> mind treating me to some stuff you know <laughs> i agree though um because at a certain point even when you think about um physical objects right like how nice of a phone can you really buy how nice of a laptop can you really buy and yep. there's very like real ceilings of these things. And so of course, yeah. whether it's like, I don't know, like whether it's 1 billion versus 2 billion, like in the case of Justin Khan, thinking about that, I'm just like, he's, he has clearly not found his ikigai. Hey. No, definitely not. At least at the time when he was thinking those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's like a Buddhist monk. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. pretty much. <laughs> okay. So... Let's talk about the four intersections of, sorry, not intersections, but like the four circles, right? Okay. So the first one is 
what you are good at. So do you think you can define what you're good at? What am I good at? Good at? Learning. What am I Useless. good at? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even necessarily know if I'm good at learning. I mean, obviously like relative to the average population, I probably am. I mean, I went to university. Most people in the world don't get to go to university. Mm. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, I've come across and met many people who are better at me than learning. Um, but and so that can make it sort of hard to say that I'm good at something, you know, when you just look and you see that there are all these people better than you at something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess learning and maybe another thing would just be and maybe this can also be detrimental sometimes, but just brute forcing, if that makes any sense, uh, like willpowering through things. So you're very good at um, self-discipline? I guess you can call it self-discipline, but it's not always like smart per se, mm-hmm. um, like done in a smart way. Like, for example, if I had to study something, I would just go at it as long as I could. Like we would go days at school where we would just study from like 9 a.m. till midnight, yeah. rinse and repeat for like weeks at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. And we sort of did that because we had all that time to study. So we just sunk all that time into studying. Whereas we never actually took some time out of that, those hours of the day to think, is there a better way to be doing this? Is there a more efficient way to be studying? Hmm. We literally just threw all our time and energy at the problem until it was solved, which was studying enough for our exams, for example. Mm-hmm. Um so like I'll say I think I have a strength that I can just yeah like willpower through these things. Mm-hmm. But whether necessarily that's the optimal solution, I don't know. But I'm essentially maybe I just place a low value on my own time because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm good at. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And yourself? I I guess I kind of don't like the four different circles as much because I think what you like and what you're good at aren't strictly dependent on each other, right? But nope, yeah, 80, sure. 90% of the time, they're intertwined, right? Yeah. Most of th- Usually, it's like a feedback cycle, right? Like yeah, yeah. You're good at something, so you get praised, for example, so you like doing it more. Exactly, exactly. And even if at the core in the beginning, it wasn't something that you liked, it's kind of just grown on you. It's kind of just developed into what you like. Um, Yeah. So what I like is creating things. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, It's it's also something everyone likes doing, to be honest. I think at the core, people what what people sense how people sense a get a sense of like fulfillment is usually creating something of value whether that be helping someone, um, making something that's artistically beautiful, or just, I don't know, making anything, really. So Mm -hmm. Providing value. Yeah, providing value, yeah. Um, So what I love, I think I want to be retired so that I can explore that more. Because, I don't know, there's like a lot of hobbies out there that I want to try. Like, I really want to try woodworking. And then, oh yeah, our friend is like, making his own furniture at his new house and i'm just like oh fuck i want i want like a table saw and shit yeah um but for now 
I guess what I love is making code. I think that's the easiest way to define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a sec. We're, we're supposed to be doing the what are you good at, not the what do you love doing. But you're answering both. Oh wait, you're saying what, that what you're I, good. Oh, sorry. I, I for some reason thought I was answering what I love. That's about the same. I guess I'm good at okay. coding. So you're good at what you love, and you love it. You love what you're good at. Yeah, because I like to feel, I like to be praised. That's how I get my <laughs> sense of value. <laughs> it it, it of actually worth. is. Like I, I will also say truthfully that like my most proud moments at work ultimately come when someone says like good job or like yeah. you saved us there sort of thing yeah i've i've definitely done work at previous companies where you know i'll put like a few days into something send it off and then nothing just never never hear back <laughs> and that that is actually i find extremely like demoralizing to yeah yeah work ethic yeah interestingly enough see i maybe it's not a great way of thinking but if i did something that like saved the company but i got but it didn't get recognized at all it wouldn't nearly (laughs) feel as good like not even close like if i was still going to be employed after that like catastrophe i wouldn't care as much what if it was just like such a small thing that nobody else noticed that you found and because it's so small no one even realized that you saved the day I don't know. Would you still want praise? I guess that's when you you bring it up to your manager. It's like, hey, I think I, think I need a bonus <laughs> this the way, month. I saved the company, so you sort of I'll owe me the on that. I on my back, you know. <laughs> stopped it from exploding from inside out. Yeah. Okay, I guess quickly transitioning is, what do you love? Do you love learning? Because you're so good at it. Oh my god, I never said I'm good at learning. I, I, I do Wait, like learning. You just learning. said you like, were good will... at learning, right? I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like... I think I love it enough to just do it all the time. Like I'm not someone who actually, funnily enough, like if you tr- if you quiz me on movies and TV shows mm. and other like entertainment celebrities, I actually know like nothing because I never watch TV these days. Oh, okay. I literally just watch educational stuff. Like, you know what your educational YouTube videos? I sound so, so nerdy. You know what you're and really good at though? Geography for some reason. And geography. Yeah. I can name like any country's capital city in the world. I know like general countries' populations and their size of their economy. Okay, that's in my head. <laughs> um, history too is something I've always been fascinated with. Just like learning about historical events and how these empires came to be and ended. Mm. Yeah, like interesting enough, I don't find that I want to learn anything unless I need to create something with it. Mm, and then you want to seek out all the knowledge required to create that thing. Exactly, exactly. So I think that was one problem I had at a university where I just really didn't get that self of sense of fulfillment. Mm. And it's also why I scored really crappily on like history, geography, social <laughs> studies. Because I don't, I don't know. They, to me, they don't provide much value in the long run, and so mm. it's very hard for me to digest the information. Mm. So going, I'm just going to like awkwardly branch this into getting what, uh, getting paid to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the thing that I find myself, at least in this job so far that I'm like so lucky to do is to take these things from like these like little facts or like history, um, economics mm-hmm. to take these like principles, um, 
and then not necessarily like apply them at work to like it's not like we use history in any way directly at work or like economics mm -hmm. at work um this is where i tell the listeners who probably already know this that the company is in cryptocurrency oh 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 that's oh, a wow. surprise and then like once you like i've obviously spent far more time you know studying cryptocurrency and all this this side of things more than anyone else because it's part of my job mm -hmm. but like you start to realize that part of the whole ethos behind why for example bitcoin was made in the first place was that it is something called sound money um like it can't be tampered with mm. and so for me like it's just such a fulfillment such as like i get such a sense of fulfillment from being able to take those things i really like to learn mm. through my whole life like history economics geography geopolitics oh, and see how those all come into <sighs> come into cryptocurrency um and like why these things are being built it's about decentralization and taking away centralized controls of power and how those have had their negative impacts on the world mm. throughout history um so yeah i'm just like very very fortunate to be able to get to be paid to do that and on the opposite spectrum when when blockchain stuff started getting really out of hand like every single startup was like oh we're using blockchain to do so and so yeah i learned like i learned and researched just enough about blockchain not to understand why it's done or anything but just how and how you integrate with it mm -hmm. and so that's like it's cool that i'm on the opposite spectrum like i what's the opposite spectrum no of like i don't care about the history i don't care about the sound money part oh, okay okay like i just need to know but how to use blockchain to encrypt what we're going to build messages or like build yeah. immutable data structures that kind of stuff yeah yeah that's good too we need like the world needs those people too it needs both sides people who um can look at history and hopefully apply some good ethics when these things get built and the builders who are going to build it out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think this i think this next this circle sort of goes without saying though but do you get paid to do what you love i do and that's why i feel i'm very grateful for what i have and why i've always had a sense of meaning like i've never really lost it to be honest and so mm -hmm. i don't know looking at these four things I, I feel like what you can be paid for and what the world needs are two very intertwined things as well mm -hmm. yeah because i don't know like what the world needs as in the the supply and demand of jobs that's exactly what you can be paid for and so this is where i yeah, get really because... confused about ikigai <laughs> i also call bullshit sometimes sometimes <laughs> right because if the world didn't need something why would it pay someone to do that exactly right the, though at first what what i interpreted um what the world needs like that sentence i was thinking like oh environmentalists um like mm. i don't know clean energy communities or like politics to go towards kind of just bettering the world like anti-poverty stuff well like te technically the world needs that right but perhaps they're not always being um like economically incentivized sufficiently such that people will actually 
be incentivized to take those jobs. Yeah. Um, like the world needs poverty reduction and we need to save the planet. But because the economics behind it don't make sense, you can't get paid for it. So, yeah. Hmm. Or at least not paid as much compared to, you know, like going to finance or some other higher paying industry. Mm-hmm. But I think the question from what the world needs, mm-hmm. you, you, you sort of, you know, because we can't go and ask the world like, hey, world, what do you need? And like, it's not going to tell us. Mm-hmm. The question sort of gets answered from an internalized perspective, right? Of what you think the world needs, ultimately. Oh, and so I think the question to be asked for this for this circle is sort of like, what do you see as your greater purpose in life? Like, what is your ultimate mission that you live out your life for? Hmm. I mean, when I think about the circle, I think more of what aspect, like... In my life, what kind of value can I create for money? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and that's just like as, as, all comes as, back. Close, as close as I can get to being successful, right? Like I'm not going to I'm not going to try my best to be like a, a, a figure skater because the world okay. doesn't really need it and you can't really get paid for it that well either. So I would never chase those like top paying professions that have very low percentile of people to me that makes very little sense and those people are just super specialized because there's so little market demand for skaters you only need like a few skaters per country yeah and i just think of um it's like i i was randomly watching a bunch of uh pro tennis videos and one Mm -hmm. one educational video just talked about how people outside of the top 200 or like top 500 Yep. They don't play tennis full time. They very much no, have a full time job or a part time job to supplement and pay for tennis itself. Yeah. And that goes for most sports. And tennis is a really like widely known sport. You go, I don't know, to to lacrosse. Yeah, I, I was actually gonna sorry, no, lacrosse players. No, I was literally thinking about that. I was like, oh, what's the thing where it's really violent and you like throw the ball? Yeah. <laughs> Lacrosse players, I'm pretty sure there aren't any pro lacrosse players making a living from playing lacrosse. Yeah, I don't think so. And for everyone outside of Canada and stuff, it's like this. I think it's from Native Americans. From North America. Yeah, Yeah, it's from the Native Americans. Yeah, it's a sport with a stick. I don't know. It has a net on the end and you throw a ball from the net at other people's sticks. Yeah. And they catch it with their nets. And And then you throw the ball into a goal a goal yeah yeah it sounds so weird trying okay, but, to explain it but yeah yeah <laughs> what <laughs> but so but like if, if you are seeing an interview you're not going to give that answer to create something for money right so like if this was an interview and you were asked sort of like what do you think is your mission in life do you think you'd have an answer there i think so i think my answer would actually describe the company that i'm interviewing for because oh, maybe this is just my interview skills like kicking in, kicking in. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just thinking that, you know, my mission is probably joining a company that I really like and then doing whatever to provide value for that company. I just I just want to be a corporate <laughs> I'm just a money machine, guys. <laughs> oh my God. But your your personal purpose, like what do you what do you think the world needs? And 
like to make this world a better place or maybe you don't want to make it a better place but like what do you think the world <laughs> ideally is asking for uh, from us it's so hard and what is your role in the world as part of that i know it's a hard yeah, question yeah, yeah. to answer i think so from our volunteer days i think what i really liked is that we didn't really volunteer for a charity per se we were part of a um nonprofit that would basically sponsor a charity every year and so uh-huh. we'd have like an internal poll about like oh which charity do you want to um like take on this year and donate our proceedings to and so uh-huh. seeing all those different societies that are underrepresented and like really struggling is pretty eye-opening to be honest um so i feel like the world needs more good aka not me basically <laughs> what <laughs> so you're saying that you're useless no 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 in terms of what the world needs but he, i don't know it's it's so hard because i don't think i can feel fulfillment unless i've like if i'm successful so so okay and so but, but still basically yeah. what i'm trying to say is like i don't think i can volunteer for a charity or like a nonprofit unless i'm very comfortable in my own um like status yeah i i I perfectly agree with that it doesn't mean that you need to go work for a nonprofit. um but like do you feel like the work you're doing or like what you're living for day to day um is sort of helping the world in terms of what the world needs dude i'm just really cynical I'm like, if you're getting paid for oh, something, I'm sorry, that's that's fine. You can yeah, be cynical. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if you're, I mean, that's what the money's for <laughs> to make you shut up and do work. <laughs> Stop questioning your mission and get back to work. Exactly. Just do what it says on the on, on the paper. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I I think if you're getting paid for something, and then then are there are there any other questions needed? Really? Like, if you're getting paid for something, I suppose so. For like not an entry-level job, I guess. Like, something you can sustain yourself off of and create a career out of. Does it really matter if, it, if, it's, if it's doing anything better for the world? I mean, preferably, I'd like to work for a company that um, has good core values. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, they, they... They're making the world a better place. Yeah, but it's hard because corporations aren't out there just to do that. They're out to make a profit. No. Um, yeah. And so it's just a conflict of interest. And so, yeah, whatever I do right now, it doesn't need to make the world a better place. I'll, I'll worry about that when I'm rich and I can donate my time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. What about you? I, I feel like you're trying to lead me to, a, to an answer and I just like, I just failed every one of your expectations. <laughs> The cynicism was too strong. It just overpowered me. Hope I had. What do I need to do? Make money. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like so. I feel like if you were to ask me this a few years ago, what like what do you want to do in life? What's your mission? I would have said something like really high level, like to make the world a better place. Wow. And. Isn't that, isn't that what we all should ultimately aim to do when we wake up in the morning? Should anyone wake up and say, I want to make the world a worse place today? Yeah, like, yeah. I hope no one's thinking that. But first yourself. I think that's my first cynicism. Myself. I think it's an extreme blessing to be able to work at a company or to do work such that 
you feel that the work you're doing can be aligned to making the world a better place, I can fully acknowledge that there are many jobs which don't bring that feeling to many people. Yeah, you're working um, for like uh, uh, Exxon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the environment. <laughs> oh my god, Alex. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you were to ask me today, um sort of like what's what's my mission and like what do i hope to do i think and i'm sort of taking this too from this other entrepreneur guy i listened to i forget his name but he's the founder of the angel angelist list, the angel investor that got me my first yeah. job novel something oh really mm-hmm. um and he said like he doesn't believe in macroeconomics anymore because mm. people people take the data and they politicize it and they sort of tell their own story or they they can manipulate the data to say what they want to say. And similarly, he doesn't believe in macro charities. Like you can't just throw tons of money at a problem and hope that it will go away. Mm. Um, he believes in microeconomics, helping out people with their personal finances and their personal situations and making like influencing the people around you. And similarly charities, like how to make an impact in your local community because that's something that's actually tangible and you can sort of measure and see the results from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe this is just an overly optimistic person in me saying this, mm-hmm. but I can hope to say that my mission at the same time as helping the world become a better place could be something like to make a positive impact on the lives of people around me. Hmm. And that, if that makes any sense, and to sense. you, your work encompasses that. Because to me, that it doesn't strictly have to be about your work. No, I don't think. I don't think my work necessarily helps people on a personal level. Like I'm not helping out anyone in their day to day lives with my work, mm-hmm. for example. Um, I think it helps out society at scale. So I can sort of split into two sides. Where on the personal side, I hope that I can live out a mission such that I help out people in ways that make their lives better mm-hmm. on an individual level and at work. And I think this is one of, I don't know, the blessings, one of the very fortunate things of working for like a very technologically driven company, like in the software industry mm-hmm. where you can really make impact at scale. Like you're one, you make one change, mm. you push it out and suddenly it doesn't just impact one or two or five or 10 people, you can change millions of people's experiences Mm -hmm. with your one change. And this sounds overly optimistic, but I sort of see the work and the company and the whole crypto space as sort of being like a way to help the planet in some way, hopefully um, developing technologies for, you know, like a more equitable future and hopefully a brighter future for many people. I, I have a big counterpoint in that because okay. this, this comes from the side of the company, right? Like I was, um, one of my previous jobs was working in the economics department of a company. And so my sole role was to create products to like, like eke out better margins. Yeah. To drive to profits. Drive profits exactly. And usually those features were at the detriment of whatever users um, that company was serving. Yeah. And so yeah. 
in the same way, sure, my company is, sorry, the company I'm working for is providing value for people, but you're still trying to make value for the company. And it's usually at the expense of the other side. So I don't think it's always positive. I don't think it's always, it's of course, it's not always going to be positive. And a company is going to make decisions most often based on what makes money. But I hope (laughs) we can say that we work for companies where we feel like the company success means the world success. We're not burning the world down to the ground Mm. with the work that we're doing. Unlike some other companies, which you might think of. Name one. Do it. I dare you. I don't want to name one here. I don't want to name one here. <laughs> Sorry, TikTok. I mean, ultimately, people work for money. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And so yeah. you don't you don't necessarily need to feel like your company is making the world a better place. But I I don't know. My company isn't making the world a worse place. I don't know, man. Elon Musk and the saying, you know, cryptocurrency is ruining our environment. So I will not be accepting yeah, he- uh crypto to buy tesla cars anymore you heard about that right yeah let's not get into elon musk he's a whole different okay mess. another uh, different topic different episode he's a mess that's a mess i think i make the world a better place like i i make enough of a effort and difference just with my attitude i think it's good enough for now just your just smile my smile sorry my okay i can do it no problem <laughs> Because that's, I don't know, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't have the time or effort or money to, to advance the world in that sense. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just smile to whoever you're talking to. Don't be an asshole mm-hmm. to service workers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Start small. And then eventually. Smile. Donate to charities once you get there. Who's doing the outro? All right. I hope you learned a thing or two about Ikigai. Um, I, I, I guess I would recommend reading the book if, if you feel a bit lost about your sense of meaning. But yeah, read up about the topic. Hopefully you learn some more stuff and we will catch you on the next episode. See ya. Bye.